Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931 381 2663 or visit mtbj.net. Southern Middle Tennessee. It is a beautiful day here in Columbia, and we are getting ready for Southern Middle Tennessee sports today. We'll be on the air until 11 o'clock, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. Talking local sports, a little SEC football. Got all kinds of great things to talk about today. Mo, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, man, I'm doing great. We, uh, we have a lot of things going on today, and today. we need to yeah we need to get to them quickly. All right. Here's what we need to do first before we do anything, because yesterday we got a little off track and we forgot to hand out the hardware. Got to hand out the hardware. Right, that's kind of the most important thing of the week. We got to hand out the hardware. So to start this Tuesday morning, let, let what do you say we we give out some superlatives from last week? I think that's very fitting. All right. Before we get started, we do want to talk about the fact that high school sports is incredibly important to the Southern Middle Tennessee area, and we appreciate you guys being a part of that. We want to thank all of our sponsors, including Covenant Technology, who sponsors our Player of the Week, and Covenant Technology Player of the Week this week goes to Max Brown the Zion Christian wide receiver. Yeah, and um, deservedly so. Um, in Zion Christian's 34-27 win against Mount Pleasant, Max had four catches for 131 yards and two touchdowns, one for 46 yards, one for 49 yards. So he was kind of the big play artist for the Eagles in that big win for them on the road. Congratulations to Max Brown, our Covenant Technology Player of the Week. This week's End to Win Life Team of the Week presented by Custom Stone Handlers, is Columbia Academy. They had a dominant 43-21 win over Tipton Rosemark for their first win of the year. Really impressive victory for the Bulldogs there. Like you said, their first win of the year and um, kind of hopefully getting them on that late season push into postseason play. Congratulations to the Bulldogs. The Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week this week is... From down in Hampshire, cross-country runner, Eric Delk. Senior from Hampshire, carries a 3.9 grade point average while being a three-sport athlete. In addition to cross-country, he also plays on the Hawks basketball and baseball teams. So congratulations to Eric. Yeah, three-sport athlete, and you can't beat that. So tell you you hold a 3.9 and and do all those things and play three sports that's that's pretty impressive that's solid that's really solid and um we like those multi-sport athletes here at sm-tnsports.com yes we do you can find those uh you can find those on our twitter our Mm -hmm. facebook and uh share those with your friends and family and 
let folks know how proud of you, how proud of these athletes you are as we are as well. Absolutely. All right. Uh, real quick, before we get to the next segment, let's talk about uh, we, we do have a big region soccer match tonight. We do, yeah. Um, Gritzland Soccer, which won its um, district championship. It's been about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago now. They've had a lot of time to warm up for their Region 3A semifinal matchup today at 6 o'clock against Visiting Harpeth. Uh, the other region semifinal has Hickman County playing Valor Collegiate out of Nashville. That game will be at Antioch High School this evening. And if the Lady Raiders win their game with Harpeth tonight, they will host Thursday's region championship game. And tonight's winners also assure themselves of sectional berths. So Thursday winners host sectionals. Thursday's losers go on the road for sectionals. So keep an eye on Richland here tonight as they try to lock up another sectional appearance. All right, that's not the only game that we have today. In matter of fact, in about 16 minutes, the Summertown Lady Eagles will serve first serve over at Stewart's Creek High School in the state volleyball tournament. And when we come back from a break, we are going to talk to Summertown volleyball coach Andrea Kelly as she prepares her team to defend their Class A state volleyball championship. Later in the hour, we have Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald. And in the second hour, we'll be talking a lot of college football. And, of course, it is Top 5 Tuesday. You're definitely going to want to stick around for that. Make sure we've got Andrea Kelly on the other side of this break. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yell, along with Maurice Patton, J.P. Plan on the controls. It is early on Tuesday, and we are talking with Summertown girls volleyball coach Andrea Kelly, whose team is getting ready to take on undefeated Meigs County right now over in Murfreesboro at Stewart's Creek High School. Coach, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coach, um, as Chris mentioned, taking on undefeated Meigs County coming in here at 18-0. and 0, You guys are 31-4, defending Class A state champions. And 
you know, when we say defending, that's especially true with you guys. Um, nine of nine of your ten players that played in last year's state tournament game are back for you. What kind of comfort does that give a coach heading back into this environment this week? Well, having that um, experience, um, having those kids return, um, there's not as many nerves that would be there, you know, if it's the first year for us to be there. Um, I have, uh, you know, we try to run as many players in our rotation as we can so that uh, they get that experience. And so that has paid off this year because, like I said, all those kids that are playing this year played last year. We only have two players that are freshmen that don't have that experience. Uh, we've got three seniors, you know, that were juniors last year that kind of helped lead that team to that state championship. So I think that makes a huge difference um, as far as no, not as many. I mean, there are nerves. I mean, don't get me wrong, but not as much as it would be. So um, I think they're just ready to, to have another go at it. You all are the first game of the day today, um, followed by – Union City and Watertown in the other half of your semifinal bracket. The other side of the bracket has Sail Creek and Halls, and then a team that you're very familiar with, Loretta, takes on South Green in the final game of the day at Stewart's Creek at 5 o'clock. As you look across this bracket, is there anybody that particularly jumps out at you? Um, I would say definitely Watertown, just because, you know, we played them last year. I want to say at the same exact point that we're going to, you know, if we win tomorrow be the, would be where we would meet them again. Um, they gave us a good match last year. And then, you know, we met them again at the finals. So I would say Watertown jumps out to me just because I know they only lost a few players um, like us. So we should be, you know, kind of have a um, very competitive match. And then of course, Loretto always jumps out to me because we, I mean, that's our county rivalry. I mean, they're 30 minutes down the road. We've played them five times this year, every game. Um, we won every game, but every game has been very competitive. Um, so, you know, I would say those two teams are the ones that really jump out to me. Coach, you have the not only the defending state champion, but, of course, the defending MVP coming back in, Katie Burdett. She's kind of the straw that stirs your team's drink, but you have a ton of players that you can rely on at any point who are some of those other players that maybe we haven't heard from that we should be looking out for today well I would say definitely next on my list would be Michael Brown uh, she's a senior she was the region MVP uh, we struggled a little bit in the region finals when we played Loretta for the fifth time we won the match in three but we had a little bit of a uh, little struggle and she really stepped in and um, couldn't she was hot she couldn't miss so I would say definitely Michael Brown is going to step in and be big for us um, Haley Jones another senior libero uh, doesn't let many balls hit the floor and then I would say my other middle Riley Long um, she um, she's big for us in the middle gets a lot of blocks uh, Katie Burdett's always going to be a big force for us but those three with Katie Burdett uh, makes it really tough to defend us because, you know, we've got, we've got lots of options as far as where we can hit the ball. In Class A, that has to be something that's that's unique to very few teams, and you are one of those teams. When you 
when you prepare and talk to these girls before a state tournament run, especially knowing that to to not have to play in multiple games in a day, uh, winning is imperative. What is that message to them, and how important is it for, for you guys to get those wins to keep from having to play multiples in a day? Well, you know, especially this year, they spread the tournament out a little bit further. It's normally three days, spreading it out to four. Um, like you said, makes it about one a day as long as you're winning. Um, you know, COVID has kind of kept us from playing as many tournaments as we wanted to play this year. We're used to playing four during the season. I only got to play two. Um, so, you know, that's where we learn how to pace ourselves for multiple matches in a day. And we don't have as much of that um, under our belts this year as we normally would. So, you know, that's going to make it a little bit tougher, I think, for everyone. I think everyone's kind of in that boat where they were cut short on some of their matches. Um, so, you know, I just think having that confidence, you know, we've a team that everybody since we won last year wants to knock off. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's mentally, we just have to be really tough that we don't let that um, get us where we're playing too tight. Sometimes we play tight. We don't play, you know, like we're used to playing. We just kind of think about every shot and we just got to get out there and play our game. And that's what I tell them. If we play our game, um, we're going to be tough for any team that we play. Speaking with Coach Andrea Kelly as she gets her Summertown Lady Eagles ready for state tournament, uh, state volleyball tournament play this week. Coach, you mentioned not playing in as many tournaments during the regular season as you typically do or as you would have liked, but there was one event, one weekend event up in Cool Springs that you all played in and saw some pretty high-powered competition. How do you feel like those type events help get you all ready for this event? Oh, I think that tournament was huge. We played, we had only lost at that point, two matches um, to Central Magnet in a previous tournament. Um, and so we got there and played Lebanon High School, um, split with them, had to go a, a third game, really close third game, and then um, got to the finals of the of the um, silver bracket and faced Ravenwood. And I'm sure you all know Ravenwood's always tough. They're always good. And I think we, you know, getting to play them, we split with them, and, and it came down to the wire. I think it was 15-13 in the third game. That was huge for us, just this confidence that we can play with, uh, you know, those bigger schools. So, I mean, I mean, it, it's, that's huge for us. I think that's a, you know, as far as this season, um, is one of the more memorable moments is playing those two teams because they were, you know, bigger schools than us, you know, really awesome programs. And just to be able to stay with them, even though we took two losses, um, it taught us more of those two losses than any win, you know, that we had during the season. So two of your four losses are the AAA competition. Yes, and the two other two losses are Central Magnet, and I think they're AA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, you have to feel like coming off that 39-9 and nine season last year that you guys are pretty well prepared and tested for what what awaits you this week, I would think. Yes, and those, like you know, a lot of those losses, those nine last year were all tournaments. And, you know, that's why we go. We go to lose so that we can learn from our losses and get better. Um, you don't learn as much when you win than when you lose. So um, those are, those are uh, big parts of our program. Coach, what's in the water in Summertown? I mean, when you think about the golf team, the girls' golf team has won consecutive state championships. 
the basketball team is always in the hunt. Uh, softball won a state championship, went to the state finals, and did not get to repeat that this past year because of the COVID situation. But, you know, particularly in terms of girls' athletics, what has created the environment at Summertown High School that you guys you know, have been able to have the success that you've had? Um, and I don't know, you didn't mention tennis. Tennis, too, we got a state champ in that championship and would have returned, you know, and lost their chances. But people ask me that a lot, is what what Summertown has that's different than other schools. And I, I think the kids, you know, we may not always have the top athletes, you know, being a smaller school, but our kids, I don't know what it is, they just really put everything they have. And they want to. Um, their drive to play, you know, you don't have to ask them. There are no optional, you know, you can say, well, I'm going to have a whoever wants to show up optional practice. <laughs> Summertime kids don't know what that word is because if you tell them you're going to have practice, everybody's coming. So they are invested. Their families are invested. It's just kind of a history of being, you know, in those big games. And it's just, an, you know, it's what's expected. And, and you know, those most kids at Summertown, they don't, they don't like to they don't like to lose and they don't lose very often and so i just think it's just a his, in history of summertime athletics we just always push the kids and the kids always want to play it's not like you have to try to make them they want to play so i think their want to is what you know pushes us just gives a little bit of edge um you know over some teams it's coach's paradise is it not uh, it's, it's, it's pretty close. I'll have to admit it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty close. I went, to, I went to high school here and my kids go to school here and, and it's just a small town. Everybody knows everybody, but you know, these kids are playing multiple sports. You've got most of these girls and guys playing two to three sports and, and, and doing well in all of them. So, you know, we just have kids that want to play and want to excel and, and it's just a great place to be. It's all about pride in Summertown and, they are taking on Meigs County at 9.30 this morning and the Class A State Volleyball Tournament at Stewart's Creek High School. Full coverage of that will be on sm-tnsports.com. Coach, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. All right, when we return, we're going to talk to Williamson Herald's Joe Williams. We don't usually go guests back-to-back, but we don't always have a state tournament happening during our show. So we'll talk to Joe Williams on the other side of this break. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yow, along with Maurice Patton. It is 23 minutes to the top of the hour of 10 o'clock here in Columbia, Tennessee, where it is a nice 66 outside, although it's a little cloudy. It's only going to get better. 
here on West 7th Street in downtown Columbia. Man, really exciting to talk to Andrea Kelly as her team is, is now taking the floor and we are keeping an eye on that match as we take in the NFHS Network. It is live on the NFHS Network in case you want to watch that. We will be keeping you updated here throughout the rest of the show until that match is over. Right now. Or, or until we're off the air. Or until we're off the air, whichever one comes first. Um, right now, as we do every Tuesday, we bring in our friends from the Williams and Herald. And this week we have Joe Williams back on the air. And Joe is coming to us live on location in the borough. Joe, how's it going? Oh, you know, it's fun to be back watching some volleyball. Yeah, we're over at Siegel High School with the with the AAA tournament where Brentwood is opening with a 5-1 early lead over Collierville in the first set. Yeah, when um when we were looking, Joe, to um to figure out, we knew that Brentwood was playing, but we weren't sure who they were playing, and the remark was made that it doesn't matter. Yeah, they've uh, they opened with Collierville and. <laughs> Uh, they're they're one and done today, so they they'll get to play early and then and then get some rest for tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, if they win, which I think everybody assumes they will, <laughs> right? Um, they'll play again at nine thirty. Okay. Um, interesting. Um, I wonder what travel situations and that kind of thing are. You you say that they'll get to play their early game and then you know get some rest. I guess they're just going back home at this point, are they not? Especially with all the COVID concerns and that kind of thing. Exactly. That would be my bet. I have not talked to, uh, to the two assistant coaches who are doing a great job, Angie Noble and Kathy Cram filling in for coach Barbara Campbell. Um, but that would be my guess. It'd be the smart move anyway, the way things are. So coach Campbell is still not back with the team at this point then? No, coach, coach Campbell is still, uh, recovering from some health issues and she's greatly missed. And I can tell you that, uh, with this team, anyway, her presence is is very well felt, even though she's not here. Oh, I have no doubt. I, I, it just it's tough to imagine a state volleyball tournament without Barbara Campbell. Well, you know, it's what everybody else has been saying too. Uh, Charles Pulley and I were talking a minute ago. What thirteen titles and fifteen state appearances in the last fifteen years? That's a that's tough to beat. Thirteen state championships in fifteen years. I believe. Uh, what happened the other two years? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Ravenwood <laughs> Ravenwood's had a couple too. So, okay. so the, the, they might as well hold the AAA state tournament in Brentwood and just let those two teams play for it. I don't. Is that what you're well, saying? You know, <laughs> kind of because you know, and, and I don't, especially when you consider they're having to play at Siegel, who is probably. Yeah. Um, very capable hmm. of of playing even or better with Brentwood. Uh, we faced this a few years ago, and it was kind of a, a an unfortunate, not not a positive situation, uh, because I think Siegel may have been a little closer, may have had their best team ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? Four years ago, five years ago, in the TWSWA took a AAA tournament at Siegel, and everybody just went, "What?" <laughs> And and I can see why that would be the case, and and I can see why it would be the case this time around. And if you're Maribel coming in there for that five o'clock game against the Lady Stars, I, I'm 
I'm a little bothered. Well, I can remember, I guess, five years ago, that the last time this happened, mm -hmm. um, of course, there was no COVID at the time, and literally the entire student body at Siegel was in the gym for the 2 o'clock, or for the noon game, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. it's... Uh, one's a great excuse to get out of class, but secondly, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you're facing Brentwood, let's go give them a shot. And, I mean, it was it was a uh, it was it was a, a it was a great atmosphere. I believe I actually came over there for that. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm struggling a little bit this morning. Well, <laughs> you you know, being out on location and and trying to make sure that you you're, you're paying attention to what you've got to do, plus be on the radio with with us two, which is not easy to do for anybody yeah yeah but it's two of my favorite things is what's killing <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it's hard to keep keep it going um now joe in addition to the lady bruins you and charles are also keeping an eye on um battleground academy and on nolensville is that correct yeah and i'm gonna go out on a line i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say there's a there, there's a real possibility that at least two of those titles will be coming back to Williamson County if not all three I don't think that's too too far of a limb to go out on <laughs> I I mean it's it's obvious that Williamson County has been producing good volleyball for a long time well and this is going to sound a little arrogant and again Charles and I were talking about it yesterday and I guess the tough part for me is if you look at some of the teams that, that Franklin has had Centennial has had Independence has had and some of the other schools Summit this year, unfortunately, got tripped up at uh, station camp. But, guys, many of these years, the third and fourth place teams in Williamson County could have won the state title if they could have gotten out of the district. You know, you're preaching to the choir on this one, Joe, because mm -hmm. we've had that discussion um, as a Centennial Wrestling parent when you went to the state duels, and it's like we got left home and these teams are here. You yeah. know, it, it's it's kind of tough to watch sometimes. But, yeah, I'm certainly keeping an eye on Brentwood, on Nolansville, the defending Class AA state champion, and on BGA in Division 2A. Um, shifting gears, Speaking Joe, of Brentwood. Speaking of Brentwood. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's shift the gears let, of that. Let's go ahead and shift those gears. Um, not just big doings on the volleyball court for the Bruins this week. There's a little little gridiron matchup on Friday night as well that kind of bears bears watching, I would guess. Oh, really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> well, well, if you were going by the schedule at the beginning of the season, you may have missed it. Oh. Yeah, this is this is this is going to be as my my good friend and colleague the late clint calicott would say this one's going to be a slobber knocker <laughs> literally at times i would imagine um you know independence has obviously had some stops and starts and starts and stops but really looked good in that 56 nothing win against giles uh dixon county this past weekend and brentwood's just brentwood Oh, yeah, that, that's easy. Brentwood's always going to be Brentwood. I will tell you this. The the one thing I'm, I'm anxious to see Friday night is to watch Jackson Campbell again. 
Mo, this kid is is probably the best athlete overall I have seen come out of Williamson County in a long time. And he's got some really gaudy statistics when you look at both his throwing and his running and scores, et cetera. But what a lot of folks don't realize is typically first series of the third quarter, and then he's, he, he's sitting down. Yeah. He's not playing the whole game for yeah. the most part. And he's up over 1,500 offensive yards. I think he's got 19 total touchdowns. And um, as, as another coach texted us earlier this morning with some stats on a potential Mr. Football candidate, I, I think you've got to have Jackson Campbell in that 6A discussion. Well, and I think there's a point at which you start, you know, maybe for Jackson, we need a new statistic. It's yards per minute played. <laughs> and that that's actually you're you're right and that's kind of one of the the things that this particular coach made mention of you know the fact that he's in, only, in limited play in limited play you have got you know you've done such and such and i think that's important to note that hey you know he's only maybe jackson's only played 22 of their 28 quarters and, and the numbers don't necessarily tell the entire story in a lot of these in a lot of these instances and so hopefully when those conversations are taking place and those decisions are being made that that is um, being explored because like I said this kid deserves to be in that conversation without a doubt and that's going to be a heck of a ball game of course if you're Scott blade, you know, you you got to get past Brentwood, and then you've got that last matchup with Ravenwood. A Ravenwood team that, when you look at that five and four record, it's like, speaking of the numbers not telling the whole story. That's right. You know, they're five and four, but but their losses are to Pulaski Academy out of Arkansas and IMG and CPA and a bunch of other alphabet soup kind of thing. But you know. They played those games to get ready for these games. Well, you know, we were talking earlier this year, and I made the comment, I said, holy smokes, went back and looked, and Ravenwood was on a three-game losing streak. They lost to Arkansas, Brentwood, and IMG. Three-game losing streak. Longest losing streak at the school since 2012, I think it was. They finished one year 0-7. They start, I think, the 12th season 0-5. And then you go, wow, you know, that's that's a heck of a losing streak. But look at who they lost to. Right. Pulaski Academy, probably one of the obviously one of the top teams in Arkansas. Brentwood, their arch rival in overtime, and IMG, the best team money can buy in high school football. So taking that title from an area team. But potentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um Joe, besides that independence brentwood game on friday night there's there's a handful of other games on the williamson county docket that that also are worth keeping an eye on one that um i think is particularly intriguing has nolan's will going to tullahoma in a um region 4-4-a matchup yeah and, and i you know what a job tullahoma's done coming back what was it 10 years ago their stadium was condemned <laughs> Six years ago, I think it was, they were coming off back-to-back -back winless seasons. Yeah, and if you've been if you've been down there since they rebuilt, they did a heck of a job. I mean, the community got together and, and, and built them a stadium they can be proud of, and the team has responded. 
And uh, I, I just, I get the feeling this is just Tullahoma's year. I mean, they've, you know, they've they, been wicked good. They, they have been wicked good, and they announced their presence with authority from the get, beating um, Marshall County. I think it was thirty-eight thirteen right from the start. And all Marshall County has done is go undefeated ever since, um, surviving a double overtime against Spring Hill this past weekend. But still. Um, I think that tells you as much as anything just how good Tullahoma is. And like you said, um, that program bouncing back. John Olive didn't just forget how to coach no. when they were down a few years ago. And, you know, this may be one of the best teams he's had down there. And for Nolansville, they still control their destiny in terms of how high up in the postseason hierarchy they can get. I mean, they play um, – at Tullahoma, and then they finish up against Marshall County. So this is a big couple of weeks for for the Knights. Yeah, and no matter what, you know, no matter what happens Friday night, they can't let it affect them either high or low going into the next week. That's a great point. Um, another game with some playoff implications. Lincoln County goes to Page in a game that a number of folks in our listening area will be paying attention to because for Columbia Central to have any postseason aspirations. Lincoln County needs to win. So. Page can play their way into the. Number two spot? Three spot. The three spot? Yeah. They, okay. I mean, they need some help to get to, but they but, could play in their way into the three. But clearly this this is a big game, especially um, – with Page having beaten Columbia Central 28-10 this past weekend. And it looks like a Page team that was a young team to start the season has really started to grow up. Yeah, they, you know, Charles Rathbone's going to get the best out of those kids. They just need a little, little seasoning, just need a little salt in them. Uh, Lincoln County, I'm, I'm just not convinced. Uh, they're obviously not the Lincoln County of our youth. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's definitely a fair assessment there. Um, you know, we mentioned Spring Hill. They play at BGA on Friday night. Um, here's another intriguing matchup in what's well, not in Williamson County, but it involves a Williamson County team. We've already seen Fairview go over to Lebanon for um, a COVID-prompted game, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. They had been in a pause, came out, played on a Saturday. They played that um that color rush contest that I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Fairview goes over to Dixon County Friday night, and I think that's going to be a fun matchup. I uh, Depends I on what your definition of fun is. I just think, well, you know, Fairview being a 3A team, Dixon County being a 6A program that's had its struggles, but they may have enough athletes to make this interesting against a 3A say, team. You know, the hard part is you've you got to wonder, Dixon County, I mean, they got nothing, they have nothing to win here. Fairview has nothing to lose. Um, if, if Dixon County wins the ballgame, they're supposed to. They're a 6A team. If Fairview goes in there and wins, and I think that's still a possibility. Uh, boy, what an emotional pump that would be to go to the going into the playoffs. Now, is this the backside of a home and home series that they play last year? No, I think I think this is a, another COVID change. Okay, okay. I think. Well, I tell you what, 
That being the case, kudos to Dixon County for taking this game on because, like you said, it's it's virtually a no-win situation for them as a 6A school if they win this game they're supposed to. And the other half is, what a great rivalry this could in, in, inspire. Oh, without question. As close as they yeah, are? Yeah, as, as close as they are, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is um, – and when, Fairview's only going to grow, so it may end up being. <laughs> you, you've been out there lately? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they are growing out. Yeah. So my, my guess is they probably move up in the next. I mean, I'm, they're not going to move up to 6A, but they're only going to get bigger and better in in classification. So, And there's, there's just no reason not to play this game. I mean, in a normal year when there's no limited capacity or anything like that, can you imagine how many tickets you could sell for this? Sure. Yeah. It would be a great rivalry. Absolutely. Um, and it gets Fairview ready for the Week 11 showdown with Stewart County for the region title. Both of those teams are currently uh, undefeated, 3-0 in the region. So. And when would you have ever thought that you would hear Stewart County and region championship in the same sentence? That's that. That's I, I couldn't tell you. Well, you being from Alabama, you being from Alabama, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. But this, um, yeah. that's that's not that's not an everyday occurrence up in Dover. Let me just say that. Gotcha. Um, they play from there in Delaware. <laughs> kidding! I'm kidding. Ravenwood at Cane Ridge potential um postseason preview. Potentially, yeah. Um, you know, again, Mo, if it weren't for COVID, this would be one of those marquee games where you could sell a million tickets. As it um, is, you can't sell any. As it is, you can't sell any. And secondly, you know, Cane Ridge is – I think Cane Ridge is better than the record indicates, but I just don't think they've had the chance to play enough mm -hmm. to get their rhythm. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. But, um, you know, with, with the metro limitations on attendance and that kind of thing, fans won't be able to get into that ball game. I assume that it's available somewhere on the Internet, so um, keep an eye out for that. Dixon County plays at Grace Christian over in Leaper's Fork. Uh, Brentwood Academy and Innsworth match Ooh. up in a big Division yeah, a big two one. AAA contest. And Centennial which lost to Ensworth last Thursday night, continues its tour through D2 AAA, going to Pope John Paul II on Friday night. Ooh, I can tell you, Pope John Paul II's got a pretty decent team. I saw them beat Franklin, uh, and they've, they've got some athletes. Yeah, quietly, Justin Geisinger has done a pretty good job up there with, with those nights. So, um, you know, a, a big Friday night adding to a big week for you folks over at the Williamson Herald. Well, I say you guys have got it too down there. You know, interesting to note, Summit will not be adding a game this week. Uh, yeah. That's what we were told. Yeah, we um, we all kind of came to that conclusion. I think late yesterday, the Spartans, who have had what three games canceled as a result of COVID, mm -hmm. um, were scheduled to be open this weekend, and will they will in be. fact be open this weekend so their next I game guess you could, go you ahead could say they're one of the few who are actually following their schedule there you go yeah for a change um so they will wrap up or they are scheduled to wrap up next friday night against lincoln county is that right i think so yeah 
So they are set to go into the postseason after a seven-game regular season. I think it'll be interesting to watch how the lack of rhythm, the lack of play has affected them once they get, a, get into postseason play. And the bad part is once they get into postseason play, it's only going to continue because they're on the west side of the of the bracket. And with Memphis not playing at all, you know, everything over there is going to be canceled or uh, going to be forfeits yeah. for the first first round for sure. Hmm. That's, that's it. It's going to be interesting to see how these brackets look once they come out. Um, open weeks during the postseason are, are not going to be a whole lot of fun for a whole lot of these football coaches or teams. Well, you know, you just got to think that this is the year that something good could come out of the, the west part of the state, or in this case, the middle part, because the west side won't be playing. When you think about the east side having to play, you know, they'll wind up playing every round, mm -hmm. potential for kids to get hurt, crazy things to happen. It's, While yeah. over here, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the classic is, you know, the first you, you get past the first couple of rounds, if you're a Brentwood uh, and a Franklin or any of the 6A guys, if you can get past the first two rounds where you're playing basically Nashville teams for the first round, you're just going to play each other again. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm curious, and but as always, on Tuesday, we bring in the Williamson Herald. This is Joe Williams. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. Certainly, guys. Let's go play some volleyball. Hey, um, have fun with that. All right. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit of college football on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by The Rock Place, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries. Their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is our number two on Tuesday. We've spoken with Andrea Kelly this morning as her team is taking on undefeated Meigs County in the state Class A volleyball tournament. That's and, getting ready to change. Uh, uh, Meigs County is about to not be undefeated anymore. <laughs> they won the first game 25-7, and they are up. They being Summertown. The Lady Eagles won the first <laughs> game 25-7, to and the Lady Eagles win and get lead in game two. What is that, 15-6? 15-6 for now, about to be 15-7. 
<laughs> it's uh yeah, Summertown just absolutely putting it on Meigs County right now. Oh look. Looks like nope. Got into the net. It's gonna be sixteen six. All right, so that is happening at Stewart's Creek right now. That's the first round of the Class A state volleyball tournament. All of these games are available on the NFHS network if you would like to watch as we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little SEC football because it's Tuesday and why not? Um, had a little time to get over some annoyance. As we talked with uh, station owner Del Kennedy yesterday, Tennessee did fire its defensive line coach, Jimmy Brumball, an Auburn grad and former Birmingham Steel Dog. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out what that solved. I, I was unaware. And I think a lot of onlookers are trying to figure out what that solved. A lot of folks that are more connected to the University of Tennessee football program than us are asking the same question that we're asking. You read something yesterday, and I, it seemed like a, a weird cop-out, but what was it? Something about just philosophical differences? Yeah, yeah. How do you get How do you get a job with a philosophical difference from your head football coach? How, how do you, as a head football coach, say in an interview, hey, how do you not say, what's your philosophy? Yeah, I mean... I feel like that's kind of important. I'm, I'm thinking philosophical is like... You know, are you three four? Are you four three? What what I mean, how do you hire a defensive line coach and then four games into the season realize you have a philosophical difference with him? <laughs> That's insanity. Oh man. Uh I, I was unaware that Jimmy Brumball coached quarterbacks at Tennessee. because <laughs> um, if we're firing coaches <laughs> I thought he'd be at the top of the list, whomever that is. Uh, I saw a tweet last night. No Tennessee fan has ever tweeted about a win over Bama. That's true. Or sent an iMessage about beating Alabama. Or summoned an Uber after beating Alabama. Never. Or posted to Facebook or Instagram after Tennessee beat Alabama. Or streamed Netflix after beating Alabama. As Clayton Harris just texted to a station manager, Clayton Harris, Alabama is going for its 14th straight win in this series 5, on Saturday. 5,113 days. 13, because it was 12 yesterday. It was 12 yesterday. <laughs> That's <laughs> insane. It is. And, it, and, and, you know, when I became a Tennessee fan in 1995, we won seven straight after not losing – or after not winning 10 in a row. We tied one year. Yeah. But, you know, that just – this is, I believe, the longest streak in the series. I was a high school freshman. I'm, I'm sorry, I was a college freshman out in West Tennessee in 1982 when UT snapped a, I think it was a 10-game losing streak to Alabama behind Johnny Jones. Johnny Jones ain't walking through that door. Neither is Peyton Manning. Yeah. So. Or Joey or Kent. Or Joey Kent, yeah. I got a question, Yal. Yo. What, what, <laughs> what made you become a Tennessee fan? Peyton Manning. I and was, what were you before? So I grew up an Alabama fan. I, I know this. Yeah. I grew, we, we need a little background here. I, for I grew our up an Alabama fan. My dad, pretty big, um, pretty big Alabama fan. As I was a child, he's since pretty much doesn't care. Um, but I mean, this is a, my family goes back. My, my granddad would eat lunch with Coach Bryant. 
And so dad went to every iron ball from punt by my punt to bow over the top. So he started with a Bama loss and ended with one. <laughs> and he was at the Alabama-Tennessee game that David Palmer tied the game with a two-point conversion. The deuce is deuce. loose. The, or if he's got a DUI, the deuce is juiced. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> too soon. 25 years later, too soon. Um, but in 95, there was, a, there was a guy who worked for my granddad. He was a – he he was – the high school all-star he was the guy right but he worked at the sporting goods store with my grandparents and he just so happened to be a tennessee fan and he was like man you you really should should think about being a tennessee fan man <laughs> and i lit y'all when i was five years old i wore my jersey number was always 14 because of this guy so like he was my hero and he's telling me we've got peyton manning you should be a tennessee fan well i've I'm ten years old. I tell my dad, "Hey, Dad, I'm a, uh, I'm gonna root for Tennessee this year." And yeah. Dad, what did What did your dad say to that? My dad said, "All right, that's that, that's fine, but you can never change back." <laughs> and to this say, day, have, have you checked the inheritance? You may have been written out at age ten. <sighs> I, you know, this was pre Albert Means, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure the disdain was there. Don't get me wrong; they they hate Tennessee and always have. But it became a different level of hate after mm. the Albert Means situation. And, but as a Tennessee fan, the first thing that ever happened was ten, Joey Kent, Peyton Manning touchdown seven years in a row. Jay Graham should have won eight, but uh, a an unfortunate fumble at the goal line leaves Tennessee a six three loser. <laughs> and that that was a that was a brutal loss. Uh, it, it was one of the. One of the top ten most disappointing losses in my career in, in, as a fan. I was just getting ready to ask teaser. you if we were going to hear a little bit more about that. You will not no, hear it's about it. that. One. It's it's definitely in the top ten, but it's not in the top five. But if you are looking for the top five most disappointing losses that we've ever had as sports fans, you're going to want to stick around for the last segment of the day. This Tennessee team is struggling at every level outside – so last week against Georgia, or two weeks ago, they, they couldn't couldn't run the ball at all. Had no run game whatsoever. Uh, you've got an offensive line that just is is struggling completely. This week, Garantano. You've got members of the offensive line being accused of throwing games. I, I'm telling you. And then this week, Garantano, he's, he was just awful after being so good against Missouri. So, you know, good JG, bad JG. Is he the only option? And if and if not, what is the other option? And if so, why? That's the big question. You've got Shroud. You've got Maurer. You know they they know your offense. At, at some point, you just have to say, you know what? Maybe we just go out there and if we lose with Shroud, we lose with Shroud. If we lose with Maurer, we lose with Maurer. But you saying that that Garantano gives you the best chance to win and you're not winning and you're not winning is simply not enough anymore it's not i've always said i mean i've my coaching is limited to a little summer league baseball but i've always said if i was going to lose i'm gonna lose young i'm gonna get something out of the process i'm i'm gonna you know put some people out there that will benefit from the experience and can get better from it you know, losing with seniors 
just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, to be honest. That's exactly and, and, right. Unless you know you're going to be gone and you you don't want to help the team improve for the next guy, which I have seen. I think that's completely pos- plausible. Uh, if you have anything that you want to say on the Tennessee debacle, you can give us a call, 931-381-1017, or shoot us a text, that same number, 931-381-1017. Phone lines are open. If you shoot us a text, please identify yourself. Yes, let us know your name, where you're from. Yeah, at least a first name and where you're from. Yeah. Um, or we're just going to give your phone number out on the air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't think you want that. <laughs> Depending on what you say. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, Alabama dominates Georgia. They shut Georgia out in the second half, a team that dominated Tennessee. Uh, I mean, what does that mean <laughs> for, Saturday? for Saturday? Who's playing golf at 2.30? A lot of folks. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people who are going to want to be as far away from their televisions and other devices as possible. Around 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. I can't imagine not. Summertown won set two, by the way. I don't. I didn't get the score, but they did win. Dang it. Yeah. You had one job. Uh, well, I was I was too busy talking about Peyton Manning, Joey Kent, and how bad Jarrett Garantano is. Um, <laughs> this Georgia team was lost in the second half. And like I said yesterday, coaches make their money in the locker room at halftime. And Kirby Smart became victim number 22 to Nick Saban because he got outcoached in the locker room. Because Georgia didn't make adjustments necessary. They thought they were they were winning 24-20. They thought everything was good. But it wasn't. And it wasn't. Oh. Um. And clearly, because they didn't score at all in the second half. Up on Alabama at halftime is a bad place to be. <laughs> Especially if you're Georgia. Uh, it is because you don't know what adjustments to make. That's the key. Mm, because an, they're going to make adjustments, but what do you adjust to? How do you change what you're doing to counter, to counter whatever changes they make? Correct. Well, it wasn't Stetson Bennett the fourth. That was the whatever they did. That wasn't the that wasn't the plan. Well, again, as we mentioned. This guy was, what, third, fourth on their depth chart coming fourth. into the season? Fourth stringer. Uh, and and all of a sudden, he's out there at Alabama. Not just against Alabama, but in BDS. Yeah. A place that Alabama, or Georgia hadn't lost in 17 years. Of course, I think they played twice. But <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't lost in 17 years at, at BDS. <laughs> that, so, anyway. Yesterday, speaking of the Tennessee-Alabama game, it's 2.30 on CBS, or you can hear it right here on WKOM. You can hear the Alabama broadcast on WKRM. You can hear the Tennessee broadcast, depending on which way which you want version. To, which version you want to get. Yeah. Um, you got Eli Gold on one and Bob Kessling on the other. So, essentially, you're saying 101.7. Definitely listen no, to that one. No, it depends on your preference. Uh, depends on as your a preference. Tennessee fan, I'm still listening to Eli Gold. Yeah, that guy is he he's among the but gold Eli's standard. hard to beat. He is he's among the gold standard for any any kid any guy who started his broadcasting career in the rafters of uh, watching New York Islanders hockey games and talking into a tape recorder is pretty impressive. But keep in mind, Bob followed a legend. Yeah, Bob had well, a so did, he was behind so the eight Eli. ball. Eli had John Forney. So, I mean, or Jim, yeah, John Forney and Jim Five. That's a, 
I get those two confused sometimes. But yeah, John he's, Forney he's was such a legend. You forgot his exactly. name. Exactly. Come I've on. Never I heard didn't of. forget his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Meanwhile, the score that Chris didn't have a second ago: Summertown <laughs> defeated Meigs County twenty-five-nine in Game Two. Holy crap! Of the Holy crap. Class A um, quarterfinals, <laughs> and. Collierville must have taken offense to the comments that we made with Joe Williams because after Brentwood defeated Collierville 25-13 in game one, the Lady Dragons blew fire in a 26-24 game two victory. So that class AAA quarterfinal is tied up 1-1 going into game three. Kalise. Um, Real quick, we saw yesterday Tennessee's too deep roster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I need you to understand that if you're going to give me a two deep and you've got three people or four, three or four at the top, either in the one or two spot. It's not a depth chart. That's not a depth chart. That's a list. And that's trash can juice. Yep. If if you're talking a two deep, I want two players. I give it. Make a decision. Reasonable. You're yeah. five games into the flipping season. Figure it out. All right, Delk. Figure it out. <laughs> this is not. Uh, th- to be fair, that as, as someone did point out, that is a Monday depth chart, and you'd like to think it's that five games into the season. It's week six depth chart. I don't disagree with you. It's also twenty twenty. But could when, have when, COVID. When when you look at a depth chart and you see someone or someone or someone, it's like, come on. This isn't a it's not a place for participation trophies. Everyone is not a winner. Trash can juice. Bingo. That's what that is. It's oh, trash I don't disagree with you. Yeah, it's, it's gamesmanship according to the coaches, I would think. For your number – for your backup? Your, num- your number four tight end? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, I, I, I have – any again, Tennessee football <laughs> – is in a situation where they had every opportunity, even after the Georgia loss. You go back and look at the Alabama game last year. They had a chance to win the game. They're better than they were last year. Alabama's defense that we saw against Ole Miss Mm. is not very good. Now, the one they've had in the second half against against Georgia is a completely different story, but that's also the same – you're talking about the same style, right? You're not talking about a Lane Kiffin offense. You're talking about a Kirby Smart team. Uh, you're talking about a Jeremy Pruitt team. Jeremy Pruitt team is going to be much closer to a Kirby Smart team than a Lane Kiffin team. Oh, yeah. Which means that Saturday's not going to be good unless you can find somebody to figure it out. And Mac Jones is tough to defend as a quarterback. But those two wide receivers, man, it, I, I don't know how you defend Alabama's wide receivers. What's crazy to me is as physical as Alabama has, you know, fashioned itself to be offensively with the run game, lean on you, pound on you, and run it between the tackles, you would not expect them to, at the same time, be as dynamic on the edges as they are. Hmm. They. Again, you're talking about four first-round wide receivers over the last two years. And that's crazy. And that doesn't include Calvin Ridley from two years ago. 
it's just insane how they've how they've designed themselves into wide receiver you and <laughs> at the university at the of university Alabama. of Alabama. That is insane. Anyway, we're going to talk more college football when we come back. The Big Ten begins play this week. They've got an eight-game schedule. Pac-12 starts later in November. They'll play a six-game schedule. Should they be considered for the college football playoff? Let us know what you think. 931-381-1017. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Phone lines are open, 931-381-1017, 931-381-1017. If you shoot us a text, give us your name, where you're from. Give us a call. We'd love to hear you talk about Alabama, Tennessee, or the Big Ten. They start this weekend. The big noon kickoff is Ohio State and Nebraska as Summertown just finished off their quarterfinal state tournament appearance with a 25-11 win over Meigs County. Meigs County now 18-1 on the year. And Summertown moves on. They will take on the winner of Watertown and hit bracket is right there. Yeah, it's, it's Watertown and... Union City. Union City. So they'll do that tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. So there you go. There you go. If you want to see that one, Stewart's Creek High School, 9.30 in the morning. Breakfast with the Lady with the lady Eagles. That's right. All right, Big Ten starts play this week. What um, what do we expect from, from this conference? You know them playing an all-conference schedule, and I've not really looked at how they've how they've got it scheduled, who's playing, who that kind of thing. But just the all-conference schedule starting four weeks after a number of um, Power Five conferences have started play kind of obviously puts them behind. I think it gives them less time to make whatever impressions they think they can make in terms of, you know, the college football playoff, that kind of thing. They're not playing anybody out of conference. So it's tough to really have a feel for how good they are by comparison, I think. 
if you want to give you the rundown for Saturday for the Big Ten. Yeah, give us that schedule. Um, actually, it starts on Friday night, Illinois okay. at Wisconsin. It's on the Big Ten Network. It's a 7 Central kick. And then Saturday, a couple of uh, noon Eastern games, 11 Central Rutgers at Michigan State. And as you mentioned, Nebraska at Ohio State. That's on Fox. FS1 at 2.30 has Penn State at Indiana. The Big Ten Network also at 2.30 has Iowa at Purdue. At uh, 6.30 on ABC, Michigan at Minnesota. That'll probably be the um, um, Kirk Herbstreet game, I would imagine. And uh, Maryland at Northwest. ABC game? Yeah, yeah, it is on ABC. I imagine that's where they'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, game day could be there, too, considering that... Uh, Herb Street, sir. Uh, well, well just, just that it's the big, first yeah. Big Ten yeah. game. That's a that's a big game. Michigan and Minnesota. And I don't know that really any. Boat. Yeah, and I'm really not boat. sure that any um, any other games are much bigger across the country either. The only I'm not sure what's in the Big Twelve, but I'm not sure that matters anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Maryland at Northwestern on the Big Ten Network at six thirty, as well. Maryland Northwestern. Hugely anticipated rivalry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's the thing is because the Big Ten is playing a league schedule. You know what? What level of competition can we expect from the Big Ten? You've got Ohio State. You got Penn State. Okay, then what? Then what? I mean, what? What other? And and I know I come at this. From an, from a place of SEC bias, but no, beside, not be, us. Yeah, go figure. Besides Ohio State, Penn State, what game is there that's out there in the Big Ten that that really is worthy of you know that ooh ah national attention kind of thing? Here's the real question: Is does the Big Ten play a championship game this year? That's yes. the okay. Yeah. Could Ohio State and Penn State play in said championship? They're from the. I think it is a divisional. Are they playing a divisional schedule? So they're going to take the I believe quote, so. champion from each division. I believe so. That's then they could not play correct. in the same division. Right, they're in the. Is it the Legends division? I, I think they, they got to, rid of Legends. It's an East West now. Okay, oh, yeah. okay. Thank God. Right. I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, I guess Wisconsin's been decent. Yeah, still waiting on Michigan, I guess. Here's the thing. Yeah, he's still waiting on Michigan. We're going to be waiting for a while if that's Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. So, uh, here's the thing. Let's talk about the fact that these two teams can't play for a championship. So whichever one wins that regular season game has to win the championship, right? Has to. Yeah. I mean, for the Big Ten to, you know, have a representative in the college football playoff semifinals, yeah, whoever wins that regular season game between those two has to win the Big Ten. All right, guys, uh, we got a caller. Uh, Craig from Columbia has a question for you gentlemen. Craig, you're on the air. Maurice and Chris, I have two just general sports questions for you. We're listening. The first being, how are three Big Ten teams ranked already without Before ever they played having a game? played a game? That's 
Well, I guess it's like a preseason ranking, right? It would I, essentially be. But the same I as thought the I thought that the AP had had handed down an edict that we're not going to rank anybody that hasn't played. Well, that's yeah. what I thought also. But the second question is, um, I there's a rumor going on that they're going to bring the designated hitter to both leagues permanently in 2021, and just wanted to know how you feel about that. I feel great if the Braves sign Marcelo Zuna. If they don't, then I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it, we, you know, you certainly have to kind of um, handle your personal preferences and and that kind of thing. I have long hated the DH, and um, thanks for calling in, Craig. I've I've long hated the DH, but you know, this year it really worked out for the Braves. I, I think that um, Ozuna is not a good fit on this roster if he has to play outfield. But as a DH, I think he's a perfect fit. And so with that in mind, uh, it certainly bears watching for 2021 what they decide to do with the DH. To uh, to Craig's question about the Big Ten and the rankings, the coaches poll kept all of the teams throughout, whether they played and uh, I believe still have done so. The AP dropped the Big Ten, the Pac-12, at the beginning of the season when they announced that they were going to have a season. At that point, they brought them back into the polls, so the rankings. Uh, Right now, you've got Ohio State at number five. You have Penn State at number eight. You have Oregon from the Pac-12 at 13. See, they're still a couple of weeks away from even playing. But they've been in the rankings for the last months. And those are the AP rankings there? These are AP. Wisconsin tied with North Carolina at 14. Uh, Michigan at 18. Minnesota at 21. USC at 24. So those are the Big Ten Pac-12 teams that are in the AP rankings. They went back in once they announced that they will have uh, a season this year. So North Carolina dropped from 5 to 14 after that Florida State loss? Correct. Nine spots in the AP poll. When when Ohio State dropped out of the poll from number two, it was the largest drop in the history of the AP poll. But there's got to be an asterisk there. There's got to be an asterisk (laughs) there, yeah. I mean – it's one thing if you played your way out. It's another thing if they said stop voting for them. So. Yeah. Uh, that Penn State game is next week. And hmm. essentially, here's the thing is. So so the Big Ten championship can be decided two weeks into their season. Well, the, the East division could potentially be decided that early. Uh, you still have Michigan, but as we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still waiting on Michigan. So, and we're so gonna the be Big Ten championship could be decided two weeks <laughs> into their season. I mean, I, I guess unless you think Wisconsin has a chance. That being said, the Western Division hasn't won the Big Twelve or the Big Ten championship since 2012, when Wisconsin did win it with a 70 to 31 win over Nebraska. Uh, unranked Wisconsin beat number 14 Nebraska 30 to. Now, but seventy to thirty. But that was an East-West there. That, that was, was leaders, that was legends. leaders, legends. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Ohio State. I'm sorry, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern are the only teams to have ever come out of that side of the the of the conference, conference to play in the title game, and it just Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Northwestern. No, I'm. 
No, who did you Northwestern, say? Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin. That's it. That's the only three teams to play from the West Division. Since they went east-west. Since they've gone east-west. And Ohio State played as leaders in that side, uh, which they figured that all out. But anyway. Not big on geogra- geography in the Big Ten. The Big – well, Yeah. So the Big Ten's playing eight games. Pac-12 is only playing six games. Now that being said, the Pac-12 hasn't made the, cha- the the conference football playoffs since since Washington was beaten by Auburn, I believe. Has uh, Oregon not been? I don't think so. Uh, college football playoff hasn't been. I mean, well, that my question is: mm-hmm. Does six games in a conference that has <clears throat> not been there in the last? four or five years do they have any opportunity to make the cfp this year uh i wouldn't think i mean it's like you and i were talking yesterday plan a six game schedule and six wins is all it takes to get you to a bowl game (laughs) right they're gonna and and they're gonna decide they're gonna let someone with six wins potentially you know play for a national title i i I just don't think that's enough of a sample size. So Oregon did make it in 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah, the first year. But that's that's it. The last time. The last time Oregon or a Pac-12. The last time a Pac-12. Washington made it in 2016, 17. Well, yeah, other than Washington, which I mentioned. Did earlier. Georgia beat them? Uh, you, they played Alabama. They played Was Alabama. That, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So that just goes to show, yeah, now Georgia won against Oklahoma. That was the overtime sure. thriller at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show that the Pac-12 doesn't ha- really hold much weight, but the Big 12, one, you've got Oklahoma has been your your bell cow for a while, and they get drilled every time they show up. Um, they have two losses right now. They beat Texas, who is your only other opportunity. If the college football playoff were played right now, You'd have to go Big Ten champion, SEC champion, ACC champion, Clemson, as long as it's Clemson or Notre Dame. And then what? Georgia. SEC number two. What? There, there's, there'll be a second SEC school. This is this is my question. What if Georgia and Alabama play for the SEC title and Georgia wins? And they've split the season series. And they both have one loss? And, and that's they their both only go. loss. They both go. They both Yeah, go. but how do you seed them? I think the <laughs> SEC champion, <laughs> I think coming off the championship. In, you would be the higher seed. I think that warrants a higher. Uh, it dep- Well, I mean, Georgia only dropped one to number five in the poll. Right. Or to four, rather. Excuse me. They only dropped one to number four. Um, Georgia's at number four. So, if they stay on this path. Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame, Clemson play this week. Is it this week or next week? Okay, next so week. one of those will be out. So if Georgia and Alabama stay on their same path and continue to win, they'll be two and three at the very worst, right? So the winner of the cha- if they if that is the case, this hypothetical, I do believe the winner of the championship game would be the higher seed. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre, they play Notre Dame on November seventh at oh, Notre Dame, which means it's on NBC. Mike Tirico. Yeah, Tirico's good. Oh, I like Tirico, I like, yeah. yeah. I just don't I don't like their camera. It it seems dark. It's very mm-hmm. 
it's a very dark camera. Yeah. It's a dark stadium. It is a dark it's stadium. A dark place. <laughs> Touchdown. Especially Jesus. especially and in the winter. Yeah. And Rudy was off the falls. <laughs> but I tell you, have either of you been? No. I've never been to Notre Dame Stadium. You need to try to go. I went once. I went when Vanderbilt played a couple of years ago mm. and nearly won. Should have won. Should have won. Yeah. Should have won. Yeah. yeah. But fantastic. It's worth the trip. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, you can stay in Chicago, and there are trips that uh, that will bus you there, tailgate, bus you back. Uh, oh, wow. Party on the bus to <laughs> and from. Okay. Uh, Chicago is the way to do it. Go okay. stay in Chicago. How far is Do the that? city. It's about an hour, 15 minutes. Okay. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Huh. It's good so, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Good knowledge. Yeah. So it's got to be Clemson. Big Ten, so we're saying the Big Ten champions should get in, mm-hmm. more than likely, as long as it's Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, depending. Who else would it be? Well, I, Wisconsin. You're looking. You're, you're talking about the Big Twelve, though, with yeah. Oklahoma losing. This is 2020, man. Oklahoma's not going. I understand, but I'm saying, yeah. like, if Oklahoma can lose to Kansas State, Ohio State can lose to Illinois. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fair. And they have. They've especially, lost to Iowa State especially before. They've this lost, year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they've lost to Iowa before. They've lost they've lost some However, dumb games. how much does it affect the Big Ten only has those eight games? There's less of a window for error. Exactly. Because of that. Um and you know, where do they where do the people that select that, the selection committee, where do they balance that? I think it'll be real interesting though when, when the rubber meets the road trying to sell the SEC runner-up over a conference champion. I mean, on paper, it makes perfectly good sense. But in the court of public opinion and and all of this SEC bias that people want to talk about to start with, they'll catch some flack over that. Depending what happens in that Notre Dame-Clemson game, you could definitely – see Notre Dame getting some some buzz for mm-hmm. that depending, for that depending on what happens in the because if, if Alabama beats Georgia again then there's no way there's two SEC teams getting in right there, so, there's so no then chance you get Clemson and Notre Dame potentially or you get whatever who knows yeah. it, it Texas and Oklahoma could play again and if Texas was to win then they could have a chance so I don't know it's it's crazy but it's 2020 and I'm so excited to talk about it I mean this is what I love about college football is the uncertainty. It's going to be incredible. Uh, looks like we've got a quick no. Okay. No. Um, essentially, we're you know we're too early in this to oh, yeah. talk about it. Oh yeah. I mean, right now we're just kind of spitballing and and talking about a lot of what ifs and that kind of thing. But um, again, phone lines are open at nine three one three eight one one zero one seven, and we do have a caller. On the line. So I'll tell you what, let's let's take our break take and we'll break. Uh, we'll get our caller um, in uh, when we return. How about that? All right, sure. sounds good. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Present. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898. 
or visit covenanttechnology.net. to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. As I turned my hat around because it kept hitting the mic stand. See? <laughs> uh, it's Top 5 Tuesday, and we have some great top five games to talk about. Actually, terrible top five games to talk about because they're the top five losses in the history of, Negative Nancy's here. Our, of our fandom, thanks to the Atlanta Braves Game 7 loss prompting this. But before we do that, we've got... We got Sam from Columbia on the line. Sam, welcome into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Hey, good morning, fellas. How you guys doing? Doing well, right. thanks, Sam. What can we help you with? Well, uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm coming in late on the show here, and I apologize if you guys have already covered this. But um, I, is this true that the CAJV beat the Central JV by a lot uh, last night, and I believe it is true from the source I've heard. What has happened to Central football and, and really Central athletics, men athletics, honestly, over the past decade uh, that it's went so far downhill? Well, Sam, we appreciate your call. We're going to let you listen off the air if that's okay, but thanks for calling us. And um, it, I guess it depends on your definition of a lot because the score that we heard was um, – Columbia Academy, JV 31, Columbia Central 6. and That's uh, a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was just <laughs> – I mean, 25 points, that, that's tough. You're right. <laughs> to Sam's bigger question, it's, it's a perplexing situation. I think that anybody that's familiar with Columbia Central athletics historically has some variation of that question. And it it's it's a tough it's a tough situation. It's it's um it's an interesting dilemma. Uh, I don't we, know if we can pinpoint what has happened. Uh, I think it's just you know obviously there there's there's nuance in all of this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and I think um I think a lot of this is um. You know, things are cyclical, for one thing. High school sports are typically cyclical, sure. But at the same time, you feel like, you know, just from an athletic standpoint, there's more at Columbia Central than what you're seeing from a result standpoint. I don't think there's any question. I, I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is that, Something's got to change in the near future, yeah. No, because I, Columbia's Columbia Central deserves more, and, and there's and, it, and it's clearly a concern, and it's a concern that's spreading as we are out in the community and have different conversations with different people. Yeah, we had that conversation yesterday, but speaking of disappointing, disappointing losses, losses, yeah, disappointing yeah. losses like Columbia Central's twenty-eight ten loss on Friday night. Or their 31-6 JV loss. Or their yesterday. 31-6 JV loss to Columbia Academy yesterday. Not disappointing for CA as I'm, I assume Monte Baldwin played in that game and probably had a pretty big one. Uh, coming off a five-carry, 50-yard game in, in, in the varsity. varsity. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, we got 10 minutes to the top of the hour, and so let's talk about our top five. It's Top 5 Tuesday on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. The top five most disappointing losses as a sports fan, but we will not talk about the on the list. It cannot include the w, the NLCS Game 7. So la, uh, Sunday night's Game 7 is not on our list. It's what prompted it's the what list. It's what prompted the list, exactly. So yeah. number five, Mo, what you got? Well, before I go to my number five, got to throw an honorable mention in here that probably should be higher. Because in the 2014 Class AAA 145 pound state wrestling consolation finals, Connor Gordon from Rossview, five, Nick Patton from Centennial, one. And all he said after that was, All I wanted to do was win my last match. Finished fourth for the second year in a row. Closed out a great high school career. Tough loss. Number five. Um. In 2007, Vanderbilt men's basketball made the NCAA tournament, um, went out to Sacramento, California for the first two rounds, defeated George Washington and Washington State. Sweet 16, they play Georgetown. Walk up to Mm. any Vanderbilt basketball fan and say, Jeff Green walked, and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Because inside the last final seconds, Green gets it down on the right block, shuffles his feet, puts one off the glass, and in final score, Georgetown 66, Vanderbilt 65. Vanderbilt would have played in the Elite Eight against North Carolina with a win right there. Probably one of the best Vanderbilt teams ever. Would have been their second regional final. Shane Foster, Derek Byers, Ross Neltner, that bunch. Great team, tough loss. JP, number five. Thanks or for that one. Mention. Thanks for that one. Uh, that, <laughs> that could go. I, again, I had suppressed a lot of those memories. I do have one Vanderbilt uh, memory on my list, but I'm going to start number five. Uh, 2017 Stanley Cup Final, Nashville Predators. Mm. First time for the Preds. You know, I interned with the Preds when I was at MTSU, so I was there in the beginning. Uh, kind of grew up with the team a little bit, and uh, that was a lot of fun to see that. Thought they really had a chance. Thought it was a team of destiny, and uh, Penguins kind of took the life out of it. Well, that's number five. Actually, my honorable mention is okay. Game Six of the 2017 Stanley Cup Finals because because Nashville and Broadway was just an absolute madhouse that day with seeing at CMA Fest going on and Luke Bryan playing Tootsies, and it was just a really cool ordeal. Yeah. Uh, my game five, though, is um, Marquise Grissom misjudging a Joe Girardi fly ball, which gives him a, a triple. Allows a three-run inning in against Greg Maddox in Game Six of the '96 World Series, and the Atlanta Braves lose the '96 World Series to the New York Yankees after being up 2-0. So, all right, lost every game at Fulton County, every single game. Anyway, all right, number four, number four, um, 1995 NCAA Women's Basketball Championship, UConn 70. University of Tennessee, 64. Um, UConn completed an undefeated year with that win. They went 35-0. I think they were the second women's team to go undefeated. Uh, UT won the next three national titles, but that one still kind of stuck in your craw a little bit. Sure. Number four, JP. Uh, The 1991 uh, World Series. 
Braves worst to first against the Twins. Charlie freaking Liebrandt. Charlie freaking Liebrandt. Kent and freaking Fre- Herbig. That well, too. that too. But Jack freaking uh, and, Morris. And I Kirby mean, yeah, the list puppet. goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> and Kirby freaking Kirby Puckett. Puckett. Yeah. Ugh, oh, that's man. a tough one. Yep. My number four. In 1992, Davey Allison, Bill Elliott, and Alan Kowicki were battling for the Winston Cup championship. Davey Allison wrecks in the Hooters 500, ending his chance at a title. Uh, He finished third that year. Bill Elliott won that race, but Alan Kowicki won the championship because he led 103 laps instead of 102 laps that Bill Elliott led. And Alan Kowicki wins the championship. I was upset because Davey wrecked and finished like 30th in that and had no chance to win the title after that. So that was a tough one for me. Number three. Number three. Um, Super Bowl 34. Rams 23, Titans 16. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. There's nothing else that needs yeah, to be said about that. Really yeah. All right. Uh, number Sorry, three, Coach Dyson. Number three for me, I go back Dr. to the – Dr. Dyson. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Yeah. I go back to the 96 World Series, but before that – Marquise Grissom. Um, <laughs> Misjudgment? Uh, yeah. Mark Wohler's on the mound. Jim freaking Larritz. Jim Larritz. That was a yeah. tough one. That home run, and that's what turned the tide. Yankees win four in a row, and that whole... Uh, bad enough to lose, but to lose to the Yankees. Uh, exactly. At home. The At damn home. Yankees. Three in a row. Yep. That's my number three. My number three is the 2001 Southeastern Conference Championship game. When Rohan Davey goes out, Tennessee just needs a win, and they're playing for the national title. Matt Mock comes in and Mm. just absolutely destroys the Tennessee Volunteers and ending the bid for a national title game. But that being said, Tennessee probably would have lost anyway because the 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the greatest college football team of all time, period. We can talk about that one later. That might be a top five, too. But, that, yeah, anyway, 2001 SEC title. Okay, so JP's number, number three was my number two. Mark Wohler's Jim Layritz, top of the eighth. Um, Layritz ties the game with a three-run homer, and the Braves wind up losing eight, six, and ten. That's true. After, as we've all said, winning – the first two games at Yankee Stadium, coming home, getting swept, and falling in game six. Yeah, Andrew Jones led them in Yankee Stadium a couple of home runs. Yes, sir. As a teenager. As a 19-year-old. 19-year-old. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So, obviously, that 96 Braves team kind of <laughs> left a mark on this room. <laughs> Number two? Number two for me, uh, I go to my Vandy basketball reference. Uh, 1993. Vandy got to the uh, to number five in the national polls that year. Billy McCaffrey, Ronnie McMahon, Chris Lawson, Barry Go, uh, Barry, uh, um, oh Kevin England and Barry, I forget the Booker? guy's name. Booker, no. Um, but anyway, yeah. anyway, they they were a number three seed in the West. They win the first two rounds. They go out to the King Dome in the Sweet 16, play Temple a six seed, and didn't have it. Uh, and Bill Cosby was in attendance, and there was this image for me as um, they did a big wide shot. And, of course, you know, back then with the domes, they had yeah. a lot of empty area. Bill Cosby was taking a long stroll out of the stadium after it was it was already said and done. So that team, I thought, could have gone to the Final Four. Absolutely. Won the SEC the regular season. So. 
My number two is an arena football story, and it, I have a lot of these, but this one hurts to this day. In 2001, the Tennessee Valley Vipers uh, defeated the Birmingham Steel Dogs, and Andy Fuller did not catch the ball in the end zone with one second to go. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, that that deserves a lot more explanation, but we don't have time for it right now. So <laughs> your number one, Mo, Mo? My number one is my first one, 1984. MTSU went 9-2 and two during the regular season, got into the Division One AA playoffs, won back-to-back road games, lost in the semifinals at home to Louisiana Tech 21-13. All right, my number one, uh, Super Bowl 34 Titans, one yard short. That's tough. Yep. My number one it was in, my birthday, too, by the way. In oh, two, happy birthday. Yeah. In 2005, uh, the Jacksonville State Gamecocks defeated the Furman Paladins Except that there was one second put back onto the clock, and Engel Martin throws a touchdown with no time left to defeat Jacksonville State. I cried at the end of the game. It was the night that I learned that I was no longer a Tennessee football fan, that I was a Jacksonville State football fan because I never cried over Tennessee. So that was Southern Middle Tennessee. CPA coach Engel Martin. That's right. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll see you guys tomorrow tomorrow morning, nine o'clock.